Peckham World Weekly is brought to you by Open Mortgage, where better is possible. Be sure to click on their banner on this page or visit openmortgage.com forward slash join hyphen us. HUD increases the Heckam lending limit for 2023. RMF files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, 500 employees laid off. And a reverse mortgage by a different name? These are your top stories for the week of December 5th. You're listening to Heckam World Weekly, the nation's only weekly podcast for you, the reverse mortgage professional. Last Thursday, the Federal Housing Administration announced new loan limits for the calendar year 2023 for both its single-family Title II forward and, yes, the federally insured home equity conversion mortgage. These loan limits will go into effect for case numbers that are assigned on or after January 1st, 2023. The new HECM limit will be $1,089,300. Now, this had been anticipated due to the increase in the conforming loan limit to $726,200. Now, we have anticipated that because the HECM limits are traditionally based on 150% of the Federal Housing Finance Agency's conforming loan limit. Well, since 2009, HECM limits have been one and one and a half times of that conforming limit. Is FHA going to continue to follow this formula in future years? The shorter answer is we don't know. That's because the Federal Housing Finance Agency does not have the authority over the lending limits for the home equity conversion mortgage. However, the Federal Housing Administration has typically aligned with the new Fannie and Freddie limits and then multiplying those by 150%. With the housing market beginning to slip and home values dropping, many may ask, what happens to conforming limits in years where home values are dropping? Well, the good news is they are not reduced. But those previous reductions in home values must be erased by subsequent years before that conforming rate is increased. And this is why the conforming limit of 417000 and also the HECM limit of 625500 in 2009 remain that way through 2016 as the housing market erased its losses from the great housing crash of 2008. Reverse mortgage funding, one of the nation's largest reverse mortgage lenders, last Wednesday filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. This was just shortly a week after pausing their HECM and reverse mortgage originations. The voluntary petition was filed with the U.S. Bankruptcy Court in the District of Delaware. The case has been assigned to Judge Mary Walrath, according to the filing. For background, a Chapter 11 bankruptcy or reorganization bankruptcy allows a business to continue operations while it reorganizes its finances under supervision of the bankruptcy court. Many companies use this as an opportunity to attempt to restructure their debt and finances. Unless the court orders otherwise, debtors also must file with the court a schedule of assets and liabilities, a schedule of current income and expenditures, a schedule of executory contracts and unexpired leases, and a statement of financial affairs. Under Chapter 11 and other chapters of the Bankruptcy Code, a stay of creditor actions against the Chapter 11 debtor automatically goes into effect when the bankruptcy petition is filed. National Mortgage News reports that RMF provided with the petition a list of its top 30 creditors. Topping that list is CompuLink, better known as C-Link, a reverse mortgage servicer. The document does not list how much C-Link is owed. 
Next is the law firm of Lowenstein Sandler, owed more than $1 million. RMF is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Reverse Mortgage Investment Trust Incorporated. That is a specialty finance company in the reverse mortgage sector. That company is an affiliate of Starwood Capital Group, which is a global private investment firm and an innovator in non-agency mortgages. Now, according to the filing, Starwood affiliates own 94.3% of the shares in RMIT. While it has been stated the company has not closed, nearly 500 employees have been impacted in a round of layoffs instituted last week, according to sources with direct knowledge of the operations. According to the website for the Delaware District of Bankruptcy Court, five total entities associated with RMF, including the company itself and its parent, Reverse Mortgage Investment Trust, have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Representatives of RMIT say they are in productive discussions with its mortgage servicing rights, secured lender, and other industry players, including Ginny May, to help achieve an agreement that ensures a smooth landing for the company's servicing portfolio, as well as their other obligations. In the meantime, RMIT has already begun work to transfer the remaining loans in its pipeline to other lenders in order to support seniors that are looking to unlock the value of their home. In our final story is quite interesting. It says that banks are seeking workarounds to help avoid mortgage defaults for struggling variable rate borrowers. And this is a very big issue in Canada and also overseas in the UK. But Canadian banks are attempting to ease the burden on homeowners who cannot keep up with the rapid rise in interest rates, reports the Financial Post, by extending mortgage amortizations and in some cases, adding unpaid amounts onto the loan principal. Tools, they say, can help stave off a default in the short term, but could come with long-term consequences. Canadian mortgage holders are in a much more precarious position than those in the U.S., and here's why. The Financial Post reports that after hiking the overnight rate from near zero at the beginning of the year, now up to 3.75%, the Bank of Canada said this week that about 50% of borrowers with variable or fixed rate mortgages have reached what they call a trigger rate. That's the point in which set monthly payments cover only the interest while the principal remains unpaid. And nearly 13% of all Canadian mortgages are affected, according to the central bank. Now, federal rules in Canada stipulate that mortgages must be amortizing, meaning the borrowers must be repaying some principal. But lenders do have three options once that trigger rate threshold has been reached, either to increase the monthly payments, require a lump sum prepayment on the mortgage, or allow borrowers to slip into negative or reverse amortization for a period set by the rules of the banking authorities. Negative or reverse amortization occurs when the mortgage payments are not sufficient to cover the interest due and the excess amount is added to the principal owed. Very similar to what we have with a reverse mortgage because payments are not required and usually not made. Each bank is choosing to handle this differently, said Dan Eisner, chief executive of True North Mortgage in Calgary, Canada, referencing the extended paydown period as just one way to manage the trigger rate issue. If a borrower raises their hand and claims they are facing financial difficulties, as lenders, we can extend their amortization to bring the payment down. But another industry watcher said it is reasonable to conclude reverse amortization is occurring, although there is not enough public data at this point. And that potentially increases the risk to the lender and borrower because the loan balance is actually growing and can be particularly worrying to development at a time when property values are dropping. 
In conclusion, it appears that many Canadian mortgage borrowers may find themselves in a reverse mortgage in effect, but by a different name. And that's a wrap for another episode of Hackam World Weekly. Just a reminder that Apple users can listen and subscribe on iTunes. If you're not there already, be sure to go to heckamworld.com. Today, we have our latest breaking video entitled, What Comes Next for the Reverse Mortgage Lending Industry in 2023? Based on recent developments, I think you'll find it most interesting. Thanks again for joining us and be sure to return next week for more reverse mortgage news on the go.